Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. This is episode 37. This podcast is a member of the Charisma Podcast Network and the Edify Podcast Network. Hopefully you checked out last week's episode. I talked to Chad Hennings, former Dallas Cowboy and Air Force veteran. He had a great discussion with me about why it's important to be in community, to be accountable, and to be vulnerable. I do want to let you know if you enjoy this podcast and are looking to support it, I've had questions on how you can support it. You can go to my website and there's a whole support page on things you can do and how you can connect with my content, including praying and helping donate. And the best way to support me is through Patreon. So Patreon is a great site where you can donate monthly and then I can provide you with benefits for being a Patreon supporter, such as my exclusive second podcast, Eyes on Jesus. There's also really cool merch that is now available on Patreon, where if you subscribe for so many months, you get free merch that Patreon automatically sends you. So I've been able to send out a mug, a shirt, and even a sticker. And for this week, I'm talking to Jason Sautel. He has an awesome book called The Rescuer, One Firefighter Story of Courage, Darkness, and the Relentless Love that Saved Him. Here we go. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. This show is about you and your walk with Jesus as we grow in discernment together so that we can make better daily decisions that honor God in all we do. We will align all things against the Bible and give you practical steps to run your Christian race to win. And now your host, the discerning dad, Tim Ferrara. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. My guest today is Jason Sautel. He spent most of his early adulthood as a decorated firefighter in one of the toughest firehouses in the country. And today he shares Jesus Christ and stories and lessons from that time. His book, The Rescuer, is available now and tells a powerful story of redemption and rescue through Jesus Christ. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, just give everyone a little more background than uh, what I just said, you know, your family, kind of uh, what you do now and and anything else you'd like to share with the audience. Hey, not a problem. Um, I left the Oakland Fire Department about five years ago. And since then, I've been working in ministry where I've been speaking at churches, giving sermons, speaking at men's groups. And during that time, it was brought to my attention that I guess my stories were uh, resonating with people. And they said, you need to write a book. Well, being a high school dropout, writing a book was not something I was looking forward to doing, but I was able to pull it together. And uh, that's what I've been spending my time the past two years doing is writing and I have more books coming up. Um, My wife, Christy, and I live up in Northern California. We have four kids, two of which we adopted. So they're adults and they've moved on in life and out of the house, but they're still local. And then we still have two younger kids that we homeschool and very active in our church and ministry. So yeah, we stay pretty busy. Very cool. Yeah, we homeschool too. We're blessed to do it. And I'm a huge fan of it. I'm a huge proponent. And so I'm, I'm, that's awesome to hear you do that. So we're going to jump more into your story in a little bit here, but I want to get into some icebreakers to get to know you a little bit. And so the one I start off with for everybody is what is your favorite movie of all time? Oh man, um, Steel Magnolias or Full Metal Jacket. So let's lean Steel Magnolias. Awesome. And then if you could meet anyone alive or dead, who would it be? Oh, wow. Um... Boy, that's a good one. Let's go with Gary Sinise. I think he'd be pretty cool to chat with. Oh, interesting. Okay, I like it. What about a favorite author of yours or a book you'd recommend? 
Um, favorite author, whoever wrote All Quiet on the Western Front, and that book is one of my favorites. I just love how the uh, how it comes into play. Mm, okay, awesome. What about favorite hobbies or things you like to do in your free time? Um, I like to surf and teach my kids how to surf and do a little hunting, fishing, hiking, and anything outdoors. Nice. Love it. Cool. So we're going to jump into the questions I ask all my guests. So just a time you had godly discernment in your life, kind of what you learned from it, and then a time you did not. And so we can kind of learn and grow through the stories that we hear because no one's story is exactly the same, but there's definitely processes and ways we hear from God that we can apply to our life. And so if you want to start us off with just a time that you had godly discernment and kind of what that looked like for you. You know, having godly discernment in times of uh, that I've seen is, I think when after the fact is when I'll get a lot of discernment, meaning I was trained to work in emergencies. And so when an emergency is going on, I just go with my training and lean on it. But after the fact, I'll find discernment in what I've learned from it and sometimes realize, wow, that's not what he really wanted for me or from me. Mm. And so one of those times is when I leave the Oakland Fire Department, when I broke my back and hips. At the moment, it was one of the worst days of my life. But now, after I spend time in my Bible and put on my scriptural goggles and look back at that time of my life, I see it as one of the greatest days of my life because of where God has brought me now through that incident and using discernment to look back at that incident has really, really given me clarity in life. That's awesome. And that's something that, you know, they say hindsight's twenty twenty. but in, in the, in our Christian walk too, looking back on where God has taken us through, where when you're in the Valley at the time, it's really hard to see the mountain that you're heading towards and the, the breakthrough that God wants to bring you through. And sometimes you have to just bear it. Sometimes you have to rely on God's strength. Sometimes you have to just kind of push through the tough points so you can get to like, a, you know, like I said, that breakthrough or, or you can look back upon and see God's hand upon you the whole time. And there's so many stories of that in our life. And it's a good reminder, no matter what season you're in, to always rest in Jesus and to know that he's got you the whole way through. You know, that is so good. I agree with because there's just so many things in, in life. You know, we're on a fallen world full of broken people and things are rapidly changing. But the one constant is God. And like you said, his strength. And when we lean into that, man, that, that's just where, where life, discernment and love and everything is found that keeps us moving forward. Yeah. Amen. Okay. So the question about the time you did not have godly discernment, I'll throw that one to you. And then if you want to take us through maybe a little bit about your, your journey to find Christ and what that looked like and how that kind of transitioned into your book. Yeah. You know, with, without Christ in your life, you know, before I put my faith in him, I tell people a lot of times was I was basically trying to be God in no way, shape or form. Am I comparing myself to God. But when you turn your back to him and you try to do things on your own, you now have the weight of the world on your shoulders and you try to go through life understanding things based on your knowledge as opposed to his wisdom. And for the first 28 years of my life, I did that. And it was horrible because every decision I made was something that came from me for me. And I wanted it to work well, because I was told I could do anything I wanted to do, become anything I wanted to be. Every time I failed, I took it as I was a true failure mm. and it had to 
been my fault. And so without, you know, having God in your life and having the discernment that you need to, to understand the truth, it's just rough and you're setting yourself up for failure. And so for the first 28 years of my life, I was just a walking failure. Wow. And so I know you talk about it was a journey and a process, you know, it didn't all happen overnight. You know, you started getting realizations about God's goodness or about, you know, evil in the world and and the depression that you went through. What was that journey like and how did God bring you through that over time? Well, you know, the going through that, I, I try to explain is there's an emptiness inside of me. And whenever you don't feel that emptiness with goodness from above, the evil of this world will fill the void within you. Mm. Obviously, the reason I came to Christ was because I felt God calling me. And I realized that I couldn't do it alone, meaning I couldn't do everything that he asked of me to one day make it to heaven. So I, I definitely tell people that I came to Christ because of the recognition of my sin, realize that I can't do it. But I have the but factor in there, too. <laughs> of the day that I put my faith in Christ crucified was the day that I got clarity. And when that happened was I was at a fire and I'd been to church a few days before for the first time ever. And I heard the complete gospel message, which just convicted me on so many levels and I couldn't get it out of my mind. Well, when I was trapped inside of a fire and feeling like I was going to die alone, man, it just clicked that I was like, I don't want to die alone. I don't want to die separated. Mm. I I don't want to make my way through this world alone. And that is when I finally said, okay, I'm all in. Now, don't get me wrong. I wasn't in the middle of the fire and and being trapped when I said, all right, Jesus, I'm all in. It was when I came out of the fire and I had that true discernment time to think about everything that I'd heard, everything that I'd experienced in my life. And that's when I said, let's do this. Let's, let's move forward. And that's the day that I put my faith in uh, Jesus. And you talk about moments of depression when you almost ended it all. You know, how did God get a hold of you in those moments when it was, it was your, basically your life on the line? Yeah, that's so, such a good question. So when I was going through my darkest moments, I was a young firefighter. And the reason I became a firefighter was I truly loved helping people. But what I also realized is I was doing it to help myself was like a bandaid for the pain from my past of growing up in an abusive home and with with a single father and a mom that lived nowhere near us because she moved. And I started going through some really dark times once I became a firefighter because all the stuff I was doing was just like a small bandaid on an arterial bleed. So I would help someone. Then we'd go back to the firehouse. And I felt horrible again. And one day we were called out to the Bay Bridge for a suicidal jumper. And when I was talking to the man and trying to have him come back over the railing to our side, I just saw an emptiness in his eyes, Mm. but I didn't realize he was going to jump. And when he jumped and we locked eyes, it was almost like I saw the same emptiness. Not, not that the man was evil by any means, but like people had been kicking him around his whole life basically pulled him or made him jump off the bridge. So I didn't see the devil or see devil eyes, but I just saw an emptiness. And when I got back home into the firehouse, I finally realized that that same emptiness, the evilness was inside of me too. And it just brought a realization that I can't go through this alone. And that's when God really started calling me to his, his son through a series of really crazy events that, that happened while fighting fire and going to emergencies. Wow, what were those events like that 
brought you to that. And I know your wife played a crucial role in this too. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. You know, Christy, my wife played a huge role, but the events that led up to it would be, I've been to many, many fatality fires and, and don't get me wrong. They're, they're all bad. There's nothing good about any of yeah. them, but for whatever reason, some just don't like affect you. You know, it's like, well, I don't know why it doesn't mean that I'm heartless or anything, mm. but things started with me to a deeper level. I would see, we went to one house fire and there was a gentleman who we couldn't get to in time and he passed away alone in his bed. And I like kept, couldn't stop thinking about like, I don't want to die alone in a bed. You know, I want to, I want to have someone in my life. Now, obviously I'm thinking I wanted a wife and kids, but looking back on it now, there's something more, you know, that was kind of God being like, yeah, you don't want to die without me. Mm. We would go and see someone who passed away after we were doing CPR on them. And normally I just call the corner and that would be it. But I noticed one time this sweet lady, as I pronounced her husband deceased, I walked up to her and I was going to give her the hardest message that she's probably ever heard in her life, that her husband of 70 years was dead. And she was holding a Bible and she said, son, it's okay. My husband is with Jesus. Mm. And she, you know, I didn't believe in Jesus at all, but here I was the guy showing up to help rescue her. And she should be falling into my arms crying. But what did she do? She gave me grace at that moment. So that's one of the first times I started recognizing grace and seeing the Bible. And it just, everything started coming together, call after call and different event after event. That's a good reminder that people are always watching us as Christians on how we react to things and not just life and death, but how we react to just life in general, you know, how you react at work, how you react to your kids, how you react to your wife, you know, and there's always somebody watching us, you know, for the most part. And it's, it's important to realize that we always should be exemplifying Christ in our actions. And, you know, it, yeah, it's pressure on us, but we also are committed to Jesus. And that means that we're the mouthpiece of Jesus wherever we go. And a lot of times, you know, it's, it, I think the, the old saying, you know, that you're the only gospel that some people ever read is very true. And we have to remember that. And that's a good example of how that old lady, you know, in a moment of like the most crucial pivotal moment of her life when she lost her husband was able to speak peace and life to you in, in, in where you were mm-hmm. at. And that's such a, such an awesome, awesome story. So so I know that, you know, you said your wife, Christy, helped you through. Uh, what was the motivation and kind of inspiration that she gave you? Well, the way that that went down was I would date and, you know, I'd had long-term relationships, but I started having a realization that the darkness and the evilness or whatever it was, and, and don't get me wrong, I wasn't like this evil guy. I was your average ordinary guy who right. hung out, but I had something deep inside of me that I realized was just kind of like, barreling over people. So I'd have a, I had long-term relationship, but I destroyed it because I was never honest or open because of the pain inside of me and stuff. And, and it would destroy. But when Christy came into my life, I just met her. She was a waitress at the restaurant I was at and I uh, slipped her my phone number and, um, (laughs) and we, you know, I didn't really have words, but the reason I did just for the young guys that are listening, I wasn't just trying to pick up some hot chick. Don't get me wrong. She's so beautiful, but there's something (laughs) different about her shining out of her. You could just see the love of Christ coming out of her. And I didn't know at the time that that's what the attraction was to me. Mm. So we went on a couple dates and things were going great. And I started opening up to her because she was opening up to me and that had never happened in my entire life. And one morning I was getting off duty and I swung by Sonoma State University where she was a nursing student. I was going to have lunch with her and casual conversation. First thing she says is, how's your shift? And I said, you know, we had this rough call. A six-year-old got hit by a car and it killed her. And 
her mom was um, on scene with us and the daughter was really kind of messed up. So I was trying to keep the daughter covered. So I was holding her in the middle of the street. And there I was in the middle of the street holding the daughter. Mom is grieving, has her arms wrapped around us. And, you know, I went back to the firehouse and it was just, it really affected me. And I look over and I see Christy with tears in her eyes. And I'm thinking, all right, great, Jason. Here goes another relationship you've ruined because I've never met anyone that was capable of hearing the traumas that I went through as a fireman. So I kept them myself. Mm. Well, I kind of looked like I messed it up. And she said, no, you didn't mess it up. And she gave me a hug and she says, well, at, at least that little girl's with Jesus, right? You believe that, right? And I looked at her and it's the first time I didn't really lie about anything. I, I as truthfully, I said, I don't have an answer for you. Mm. And I saw a look in her eyes that was like, oh my, you know, she could see. And I thought she was going to dump me, but it was more like she knew that she needed to help me. So to speed the story up, she said, I want to meet with you tonight when I get off work. So I went, bought a Bible and I couldn't find Jesus anywhere in that Bible. I mean, I started at page one and I'm thinking probably by about page 200, I just shut it down and figured I was going to get dumped that night. And when I met up with her at the coffee shop, she looked me right in the eyes and said, I want you to come to church with me or I'm going to break up with you. Now hear this out. She didn't say you need to become a Christian. Mm. She after the fact, she told me she knew I was way more than she could handle to get the gospel message out. Because if she started going through it, she'd be too nervous. How did So she brought me to church to have the body of Christ around me so I could fully hear everything and start learning. So that is how the conversion started. And then, like I mentioned earlier, shortly after that time is where I almost died in that fire and everything just clicked. Wow. That's that's so powerful. And I think it's a good reminder too, you know, for anybody that you're looking to share the gospel with, we get overwhelmed by, do I have the right words? Do I know the right verses? And a lot of times it's just as simple as inviting somebody to church and let, you know, the pastor and the church do the rest. And I think we over overthink it. And I think she showed such wisdom in that where, you know, it's a daunting task to try to, you know, save somebody and we can't save anyone in our own effort. We can only plant the seeds and the Holy Spirit does the work. And so I just found that so powerful to all of us in our effort to reach the lost. A lot of times we just have to, well, first of all, be there in love. And then second of all, you know, just invite them to, to church. It could be just that simple. No, that, that's so good. And I'm in total agreement with you. And the way that I kind of break it down for myself is I always joke with people saying I have a simple mind, even though I don't. But going from age, you know, straight out of high school, I dropped out in the 10th grade, got my GED, and then joined the fire department. I, I pull a lot from the fire department because there's so many parallels in there, like being a Christian in action wise, not faith wise, that goes together. And I tell folks this, I'm like, Imagine if we just sat at the fire station and trained up and we called ourselves firefighters, but we didn't go out the door on an emergency. Mm. Would I really be a firefighter? Or would I just be some guy draining off the system and, mm. and making myself better? Well, also, when we get on scene, we may have a heart attack. And if I mm. give a heart attack patient stroke medications, I'll kill them. Mm. Now, obviously, there is no verses in the Bible which are going to kill someone. But where I'm going at is the other day, I hit a young man who was so far gone that he reminded me of me. And I said, you know what? I can see right away after the assessment, I'm, I'm not even going to go Bible with him. I'm buying him a cup of coffee. We're going to hang out. 
and I'm just going to show him the love. Mm. Then the next time he asks me, why are you so good to me? Now, now I've got you. Let's go. Yeah. And so you're so right there that you have to do it or invite them to church. But each person has their own set of traumas. And if we treat everyone of like, like, oh, I'm just going to go out and street preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have nothing against that. But let's be honest. Look at people just walking by and ignoring that. Some people are drawn to it. So we need everyone out doing everything and using their gifts and engaging. And if inviting them to church is just one of the things you do, that's a huge thing. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. And I love your book, The Rescuer, because it talks about how you rescued people, but then how Christ rescued you. And I think it's such an awesome uh, example in our life, how God rescues us. And, but why is it so hard to some people to realize that they need rescued to begin with? And how do we relate that message to them? You know, I think it's just noise, noise of this fallen world, noise of the anger. Let's just talk about the election cycle we got through without talking one side. <laughs> it was disgusting all the way through. If you look at it from a Christ-like standpoint, just filthy and foul and anger and hatred. And I have my views. And sometimes there are things that start boiling up inside of me. They're like, mm, I just want to throw out. But I have to realize I become a, a fool in full vent. I'm not doing good for anyone. Now, do I need to sit quiet and just be like, oh, things are going to be better and, and pray? Well, by all means, I'm going to pray. But I think the issue is there's just a lot of noise in this world from the anger. The, the world is of the devil. There's a lot of evilness here. Goodness comes from above. We need to tap into the goodness from above. Let it pour into us and out of us because so many times it's the I concept. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to pray it up. I'm, 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 well, yeah, those are actions that you're going to do. But when we look to God and say, God, how can you use me? And how can I become better, you know, which is part of the discernment process so I can engage people. I think that's better. And I think to answer your question, what's wrong is it's just a noisy and loud world. And we just have to shut it out sometimes and connect with God. Right. And I think also, I mean, I love the verse in Jude one twenty three when he knows reach others by snatching them out of the fire. I know you probably, you know, that verse too. And it's, it's so important to realize that that's what we're doing. But a lot of times people don't realize that they're in the fire to begin with. And we, we preach to them about sin and why, why what they're doing is wrong. But then they wonder, well, what's sin? Why does it even matter? Instead of pointing them to Jesus. And once they find right. Jesus, Jesus will draw everybody to him the more that they focus and keep their eyes on him. And sin will right. usually take care of itself if you let the Holy Spirit invade your life. And so, you know, it's not, we should definitely call out sin within the church. And there's, there's, discernment as far as that goes. But when you, when you look at a lost person that doesn't know Jesus and you tell them what they're doing is wrong, you're going to most of the time lose them because they're like, well, why is it wrong? Why does it even matter? It makes me feel good and, and, and so forth and so on. And so we really have to point them to our need to be saved and why we need a savior to begin with. Right. I'm in total agreement there. That comes a lot of times into testimony too, I think, because it takes it off of them 
and puts it back onto us and they can see it on us. Cause if I go, you need to change and you, 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 and you point the finger. Well, I've had people do that to me before as a young and your Christian. And I'll be honest back then I'd give them the bird and walk off. Cause I just truly didn't want to hear that. Well, that was obviously on me back then, but the way I do it now, a lot of times as I explain to people, I said, listen, I'm not here to judge you in the fire department. We just showed up without judging selflessly responded and tried to make it better. But what I've found, and this is kind of a, a touchy area, especially now that I'm an author and meeting other authors and going to churches around, is I think we've given people the expectation of the here and now is going to be better if they come to Christ, which the here and now got a little better for me because I had discernment. I now had clarity on why things are as bad as they are. But let's keep it real. Things still kind of sucked in my life and it's still <laughs> back rough, but I now have a place to go to where I can leave it and then have a foundation to grow off of, which is Christ Jesus and start going through the process. And when we tell people or people here all the time, oh, well, I thought I'd get a bigger house or I thought this would be better. Or life would be good. And it didn't get good. We have this battle of that's not what it's about. And it's made the struggle of professing our faith kind of tough, I think, for true believers. They get the message of the gospel out there. Yeah. And what struck me too is when you said, you know, you show up to a rescue, you know, a, a site and you you do it without judgment, which means that if there's someone needing to be rescued, you do it without questioning them. And I thought, well, what if a firefighter shows up and they say, well, you were the one playing with matches or you left the stove on, you deserve what you're going to get, right? <laughs> no one would do that. And it's the same thing as Christians where we show up to someone in their sin state and we say, well, you, you earn this, you, you, your choices led you to this, you know, you don't deserve this. Like we make all these judgments about people mm -hmm. instead of realizing we're all, we've all fallen short of the grace and the glory right. that, that points should point us to Jesus. And we're all in need of a savior and we need to make sure that we show up with love and that love will draw others to God. Uh, bro, you nailed it right there. So a quick description that I have is I would be on a crime scene and as much as it pained me, there are times where I've had to take care of the person who shot an innocent person, but the innocent person tried to protect themselves mm -hmm. and maybe shot back. So I have two injured people and both of them could die but I have to give them the same level of treatment. Mm. Now people say, how could you do that? Well, there were times that it's hard because there was an incident I was on where a shopkeeper at a local liquor store, because we have a lot of those in West Oakland, he was shot, but he shot back before the, the bad guy took off. Well, the shop owner died mm. and his family was screaming and crying and begging me to save him, but there's nothing I could do. And here I was taking care of the guy who shot him, but the guy who shot him is cursing me out, yelling at me, telling me he's going to come get me. But you know what? I put it all aside, bandaged him, stopped the bleeding. And how did I pull through? As angry as it was, I was so angry. But what happened in my mind was, you know what? My job is just to love. Someone else is going to handle the judge. There's going to be yeah. a jury. There's going to be laws. There's going to be lawyers involved. That isn't my job. My job is to stay in my lane right here and do this. And it's the same thing. We're out there and you hit an angry person. I didn't get called to convert you, change you, punish you or anything. God gave me a list of commandments right here. I got to stay within those. And when I do that, I can happily walk away and say, well, I did my job, even if I'm angry from the situation.
Yeah. And Jesus says, if they hate me, they will hate you. And a lot of times we take it so personal when they hate the Jesus that's in us as Christians. And we have to remember that it's the sin in them that hates Jesus. And until the Holy Spirit converts them and, and draws him, them to themselves or to Jesus, then we have to understand that they're acting out. They're acting out in that anger. They're acting out in that sin state that we have to continue to just show love and not respond in the way that our flesh would like to. Amen. You you nailed that because even in my own family, my parents, they're non-believers. And you can just see like the anger that comes out of it. And you know, as Christians, we have to be careful because I always say, well, that's between them and God, not them and me. But let's be honest, there's sometimes we can puff up, become arrogant, and fight back. And you know what I say is scripturally blast them or shotgun scripture mm -hmm. them. And are we really teaching them scripture? Or are we just puffing up and shooting it out to prove a point? Well, if I'm doing that, well, now that's between me and God, and I need to fix that. But if I lovingly approach someone, even though they're so disgusted with my beliefs, well, my beliefs I can't take away. And a, they have the issue with it. That, that's between them and God. And I feel comfortable, but I think we really need to discern there and be careful if we're coming in an arrogant way and we push them to that anger, or we saw that they were angry and we brought the love of God to them and wanted to profess. They stayed angry. Well, like I said, that's between them and God. And I'm okay with that. Right. And I love how you said shotgun blast, because we do that a lot on social media. You know, we just kind of share our thoughts and it spews out and it hits all different paths, you know, hits all different people. And we just think, well, I did God's work because I shared a, you know, uh, a condemning verse against somebody that doesn't understand why. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with sharing our, our faith on, on social media, but we definitely need discernment. And whether we're sharing with somebody in person or on social media, we have to know what message are we portraying and it doesn't show Christ's love in all we do. And we have to remember too, that, you know, when, when people see that, uh, when you there's no there's no inflection or tone in in words and when you just type something or send a text you know it's very hard to share that with love you know it's very mm -hmm. hard to convey the love of Christ in a, a couple sentences and uh it's easy to just kind of do that without understanding the ramifications of it like you were saying and uh it's a good reminder to us all no, I, I definitely hear that. And, you know, when I write a message online and I go through like Facebook, it hits 700,000 people. And so I make sure that I do quote a wee bit more rambling on there than just come up with a strict line. And again, you'll see, I put stuff back towards me and things I've gone through, then say, I would like to encourage you. Well, when I do that and I see someone come back right away and I can see they want to have the argument because I read the ESV and they read the King James version, <laughs> not a true believer whatever version your church, your pastor is going through, yeah. I think that's the best version for you. And I draw the line right there because I love everyone, even though I jokingly say, hey, my King Jamesers, I know you guys have a country club in heaven that the rest of us aren't allowed in, you know, and, yeah. and I try to get back. But if I do that online between you and I, we joke, but a listener could hear that and see they're so angry and disgusted because they don't know the Jason because, as you said, they don't see the emotions in it. And I was just trying to play a little and have fun. Mm -hmm. And so what I've learned is when someone comes back negative and angry, I actually will not engage that. Yeah. And a lot of times I just know because you're not seeing the message that I put out. You obviously have this. I call it the art of self-worshiping. If I hear a pastor speak and I don't like something he said and I approach him, well, did you think this and this? Well, that's me worshiping me because I didn't like what he had to say. Well, my job at that moment was to sit there and listen to his message 
and take what I got out of it and things I didn't get out of it, just kind of move on. But it's not my job to go and correct him. And I think as Christians, we feel we need to correct so much. And like you said, when you just throw one verse out, well, the Bible isn't about one verse from Genesis all the way to the indices. Yeah. That thing is, you know, and yes, I know indices is revelation, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a balance. His, his wisdom is balanced. His love, everything is so balanced out, but everyone wants to hinge on one or two verses. That's just not what it's about. That's really good. I want to talk about uh, being in God's will. Uh, you said that if you're on the path that lines up with God's will and you are using what he has given you in a way that glorifies him to keep on keeping on. So stay on that path, basically. So I want to just ask you, how do you know, how does someone know if they're in God's will? Well, that's one of the best discernment questions you can ask <laughs> by all means. Um, and let's be honest, it's hard, man. It's super hard. Obviously, I can rile people up when I say, man, every once in a while, the devil will whisper in my ear and he sounds a lot like God. Yeah. He really, and you know, it's like, wait, hold on. Well, what I've learned is if what I am doing does not line up scripturally and I cannot find it in the Bible, well, then I am not in God's will. Am I maybe 100% in sinful and purposely sinning? Well, no, the discernment came in that I didn't spend enough time praying asking for guidance, listening to the Holy Spirit, going to scripture, because I believe that God speaks to us through scripture. But I also wholeheartedly believe that you get those little nudges too. Do I believe in direct revelation? Heck no, I don't. And if someone is getting that, I would be very cautious on where that's coming from personally. So to, to in a nutshell, the way I explain is a lot of times the Holy Spirit will be like, Jason, it's time to, there's a mountain there. Let's get to work. Well, I charge. I'm a hard charger. Next thing you know, I'm at the top of the mountain beating my chest. I'm looking around. I'm like, Holy Spirit, where are you? And he's like, yo, I'm back down here at that thousand foot elevation mark. Come back down here, kid. So I think sometimes we get that nudge and the excitement of our flesh because we do want to honor God. But then we get the worldly side of us that wants to just push and work and kick the doors and it goes so hard that we fall out of his will because we're going so hard. Or vice versa, we're being so lazy, we just, nah, I'm not going to do that, you know? So I think the discernment is being paced, also having a group of people around you that you can talk on, scripturally backed brothers, elders, pastors, your Bible, and then pause every once in a while, and even without prayer, look back at what you've been doing, and then pray about it. Say, all right, God, this is what I've been doing, am I on the right path? And I think that's a, a good way to do it, but I think is humans, we want that discernment right away. And I find a lot of times in a lot of tasks we're given, we have to slow down and keep redefining it, finding it and honing it in. That's really good. And I think, you know, when you think about the path we're on in life uh, as a map or, you know, the roads that we're on, you know, when you, when you're traveling, you're always looking at the map or referencing it or course correcting, maybe you made a wrong turn and you want to get back on the path, you know? And so we we don't just point our lives in in one direction other than Jesus, of course, but Mm -hmm. if we're making decisions, we don't just point our, 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 where, you know, I'm going to follow this job until the day I die. You know, I'm going to be at this church until the day I die. I'm going to do this. You know, we have to make sure that we're constantly, like you said, you know, following the nudging of the Holy spirit. And if we get on the wrong path, that's going to happen. And we, we can't beat ourselves up over it. We have to get off that path as quick as possible. We can't just say, well, I'm committed to this lifestyle of sin. Now I'm just going to see it through. No, we have to stay our eyes fixed on Jesus, which will get us corrected off the, off, 
off the wrong path and back to him. And I, I, I talked about this recently, you know, if you're in the ocean and you're just one degree off, you know, over time, that one degree is going to mean that you're on a whole different trajectory in a destination you didn't intend. And so we have to make sure that right. we just constantly, you know, when you're driving, you constantly make little course corrections with the wheel. So you stay on the right path. And so, you know, it's, it's something that we constantly have to do staying in the word, getting the Holy Spirit in us, filling ourselves up with the Holy Spirit. And like you said, being accountable with other people because they're, you know, especially our spouses are able to point us in the, you know, when we've gotten off path quicker right. than probably anyone else. Yeah, they're they're the best barometers, that's for sure, you know, and and a good godly woman, you know, she knows how to do it right, but you, you can look at her eyes and see, ooh, I'm messing up here. <laughs> but, you know, something I want to throw out there too that just kind of touched me was, you know, yes, the long, I love how you explained that of the one degree, in the emergency world, too, as Christians, we're called emergencies. But when we're called to a house fire, we, quote, have our standard operating procedures that we do. And so we'll say, oh, you'd walk into a house that is fully involved with fire? Well, no, I'm looking at what years it built, the construction, how long has it been. There's a lot of things I look at. And we go in and we fight the fire. But if what is happening isn't working, if I just stay on that path and I don't redirect, call in more resources and change up my attack on that fire, now I'm going to be standing in front of the chief explaining why I burned down half city, you know? So we have to sometimes pull back, regroup and go. And I'm not saying it's a long pullback. Sometimes like, okay, I need some help here. Where's my second alarm assignment? Oh, they see that we could attack the fire this way. Let's go attack it and hit it all over again. So you're you're right. You know, you have to to do the change up sometimes and and do what's right, but sticking with the true basics that were given to us from God Himself. Yeah, that's a great way to put it too. In that example, and uh, the last thing I'll say is just you know, as as we have an outlet for you know asking for discernment from others, you know, it's also important to have an outlet to talk about what's going on. You know, as men, we don't want to share our feelings because we feel that we're not supposed to, but it's like you said before, you know, you were dealing with some of the worst situations any person could encounter and you were internalizing them until your wife started to listen to you, but you, you knew what it was like to have that, that just build up inside of you. And even though we don't have you know, I don't have traumatic instances like that, but just on a daily, the daily grind that we're all in, you know, that can build up in us if we don't have an outlet to share, to explain our, our fears and our thoughts and our, our failures. And, you know, God's always that outlet, but I think it's also important to make sure that we have a band of brothers or sisters around us that we can uh, communicate with and just kind of share what's going on in a daily basis. No, you nailed that because I try to tell people when I write, I, I, I am blessed. And as I don't say cursed in a curse sort of way, but it's also <laughs> tough on me because I have to look back at some of the worst things I've ever experienced. Well, the experience I had, if I take them to a small group of people say, well, Jason, what's the worst thing that ever happened? I'm dropping out an atom bomb on people. Cause I'm like, oh, I went to a serial killer who I witnessed. They're like, whoa, you know, and they, their boss yelled them. But here's where I go. I pull back and I go, someone who had a rough day at work, that pain, that struggle, the cruddiness they're feeling, bro, that's the same pain, cruddiness that I was feeling from that. They were just different experiences. But let's be honest, I am not a good person to sit in with that group of the office folks that were doing stuff because I'm just going to have atom bombs for them. And what they're saying is not going to interest me, even though the pain is the same. So we got to have that connect of we have people that have walk down the same roads, have the elders that have gone down that same road with other people. But I'm not saying just limit yourself to that either. But we also have to be cautious 
where where we find help sometimes because you know we can quickly overpower or underpower people sometimes and that's why we need the whole body of christ around us for those instances love that that's so good well jason we're at the end of our time today it was so good to talk to you and if you just want to let everyone know where they can connect with you and also get a copy of your book yeah, not a problem. Uh, the best place to get a copy of the book is any of the booksellers. You got Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, but Thomas Nelson, my publisher, they put together a website called rescuerbook.com. And that's a spot where people can order from any of the stores that it's uh, for sale. If people want to connect with me, um, they can go to Facebook and gracefully rescued is the handle there, or it's Jesus is all we need by Jason Sotel. Um, those are the best places to get a hold of me. And in the book, there's also my email address in the back. And uh, I put that there. So folks, when they're done reading, if they have more questions, I can still be a resource and they can reach me through that also. Love that. That's so good. And I'll put those in the show notes. Once again, thanks for coming on. God bless you, Jason, and your family. Thank you, man. I really appreciate you for having me on today. That's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you enjoyed it, would you please leave me a five-star review? I do read all the written reviews as well. I even post some of them to my Instagram story. So I would definitely appreciate you taking a few seconds and doing that. Don't forget to check out the Edify app, E-D-I-F-I. Download the app and you have a great access to many, many Christian podcasts out there. My guest next week is Larry Hagner. He is an author, a podcaster, and he is the founder of The Good Dad Project. Make sure you check it out next week. Hit subscribe. Until next week, go with God, grow in discernment, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. For more information on Discerning Dad, go to discerning-dad.com. Be sure to follow on all the social media platforms. Just search for Discerning Dad. Please share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review on whichever platform you listen. Feel free to send any comments, suggestions, questions, or prayer requests at discerningdad at outlook.com. Until next time. Keep fighting the good fight.